Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. I'm Steve Ryder, and I just want to thank CEO Roundtable, Sally Zimney, and Carrie Klein for giving us reviews on iTunes. Thank you. As well as thanks to everyone else that has reviewed us on iTunes and shared this show on social media and basically everyone that's helped us get the word out. It's listeners like you that have been helping this show's reach these first few months exceed our expectations. So if you haven't given us a rating on iTunes, please consider doing so. And if you like what you hear, please share this with people that you think would like it too. And if you have any suggestions, please message us on Facebook. We want this show to feed the needs of you in our audience. Thanks. As a team member, we can, in a non-threatening way, ask questions that are curious questions and truly uh, be not tied necessarily to having to have the outcome go the way we want, but have people actually explore what could be possible if we did something in a different way. That's executive coach Michael Fow, and on this edition of Eternal Leadership, my co-host John Ramstead takes Michael into the coach's corner where they answer two questions that you and our listening audience have wanted answered. Well, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Coach's Corner. Today, I am thrilled to bring uh, a great friend of mine, Michael Fow. Uh, I met Michael through the Professional Christian Coaching Institute, where he's on faculty there. And uh, Michael has become my personal mentor coach. And as well, I took a coaching class on coaching for spiritual formation from Michael that was just powerful for me. Michael's also uh, an executive and leadership coach. So Michael, why don't you uh, introduce yourself a little bit, let people know uh, what you're doing and get to know you a little bit before we dive into here to some two great questions that we have from our audience. Sure, absolutely. Well, first of all, uh, thank you, John. It's um, a privilege to be invited to be a part of the Coach's Corner and your podcast. And um, it's uh, always nice to talk with you. Uh, Love your heart and love your passion for leaders and for helping to uh, develop people. So I've been um, involved in coaching for about 12, 13 years now. I actually had been a part of uh, planning a church in the Philadelphia area, and um, in the early 2000 to 2003 time frame, started sensing God directing me into something different. wasn't sure what that was, and I actually hired a coach myself and went through some life mission vision planning and um, ended up taking some coach training and had um, wonderful um, opportunity then to just uh, start working with. Um, a large um, group of, of uh, people uh, with Bruce Wilkinson and his his group and uh, do some coaching through them and then uh, just have seen God open some doors. So um, I've been a part of training with, uh, as you mentioned, the Professional Christian Coaching Institute for a number of years and um, just love helping to develop coaches and um, married, have two children. Uh, one is 24, one is 14, and um, just delight in our family, been married a little over 30 years, and my wife and I are still best friends, and uh, yeah, we we just are enjoying life um, and enjoying this opportunity to do coaching and to help develop people uh, to their greatest potential. Well, hey, let's dive in here, because this is something we've talked about. You're doing something very interesting right now. Uh, You're currently engaged uh, as a coach at a very large uh, internationally known insurance company. 
Uh, you're in in there in a role uh, in project management uh, with some things they're doing in IT. And uh, I'd love for you to share what you're doing in that situation, what you're learning uh, that I think can be really helpful to people that are under, you know, in, you know, working in large companies, just under tremendous deadlines. Uh, there's expectations. Uh, things are always changing. Uh, your the accountability for your work is, you know, is critical to the success of not only your your own job, but your peers and the business unit that you're in. And there's there's a lot coming out of that. So could you kind of share what you're working on? We can kind of dive into maybe uh, talking about how do we help or share with people that are in similar situations, get through that in the most effective way possible. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, pretty interesting um, opportunity. It was certainly uh, one of those things that sort of just came across my path. So back in August, um, I was asked by an organization, um, again, it's a large insurance company that um, has a big IT type project, and they've been they were trying to fill a role, I guess, as a project manager to help with that. And they asked me because I have my background. When we we I mentioned starting a church, well, when we started the church in the Philadelphia area, um, I ended up working in the IT industry just to support our family, and had done that for a number of years. And so I had a background in the IT work, and then the coaching work, um, what they felt like uh, would be really crucial because of the different stakeholders and people that were involved in it, is to have somebody who had a, a good level head, a calm demeanor, an ability to step back and help bring perspective to make and ensure that this project, which is pretty crucial, um, to uh, be successful. And they already had some personality issues. They already had some um, team dynamic issues. So they felt it would be really important. And so having done some prayer and, and just, you know, sensing and talking with my wife and others, just felt like, you know, uh, why not? Why not try and jump in? So as I started pursuing that and just praying through it, the, the, you know, I really sensed the Lord saying, you know what, this is an opportunity for you as a coach uh, to actually uh, experience in a fresh way, but also with a perspective of a coach, what it's like to live out that kind of a, a role again. And so I created this little series of, of blog posts and writings called Lessons from the Trenches. And what I've been doing, John, is honestly just looking at the all the the things that come up in the daily day to day type of things in a large corporate company uh, as you're working on a project and jotting down okay here's here's where the wheels fell off here's the pressure points um, looking at the coach approach that I uh, can use and and use in these situations and then looking at the outcome of that so that's been sort of a, a a take on what I've been doing. So what are, what are some of those areas where you saw where the wheels did fall off? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, you know, some common ones uh, perhaps is what we'll call stress from lots of moving parts, right? So when you have um, a large project, and I know you've led companies, organizations, and probably 
many of your listeners uh, are in this place. So there's lots of moving parts, lots of things going on, yep. and that can create stress, it can create anxiousness. Um, and so that was uh, one triggering event. And what I, as I look at that and just step, so here's the, you know, here's the beautiful thing. So anytime we feel a triggering event, whether it's stress or it's some other thing, first stop, ask myself, okay, what's going on? What, what am I feeling? Where in my body am I feeling this? What's going on in my thinking? Slowing things down and be able to get perspective, uh, perspective that helps to equalize what's happening. So uh, instead of getting caught up in whatever that, that stress is, um, actually be able to have a um, better decision and have a, a better outcome based on that. So with the stress from moving parts, as I sat down with that and just yeah, this didn't take a lot of time, you know, so I should mention that too. This doesn't mean you got to spend an hour uh, thinking this through. You can do this in five or 10 minutes. Just sit down and recognize, okay, one of my core values was being challenged. Now, lots of moving parts and stress from that may be challenging someone else's core values, but for me, one of them is organization or order. So when things are in chaos or they're unorganized, and sort of flying all around, um, that's going to bump up against my value of organization and order. So as I recognize that, then I can say to myself, and, and again, e bring equilibrium, you know, it's okay for things to be disorganized at times. Part of building or rebuilding a infrastructure is messy. It's uncertain. And so as... as I come to that project and I come to that chaos and as moving parts with that mindset, I find from that right away a, a different perspective. That is, is okay, that it's just bumping up against my values and I can have peace. And I also can remind myself, you know what, God is ultimately in control of all this. He's sovereign and I can rest in him. That as I work through this and as these moving parts are getting sorted out and, and reorganized, um, that they're going to, you know, things are going to work out according to uh, the best thing. So that's just one example. Well, you know, that's a great um, example, Michael, because you're talking about, you know, in the middle of all this chaos as things are happening, sometimes there's this uncertainty. And you're talking about really changing your perspective. Have, you know, as you worked with the other people that you're there with, who are in that place? What are, what are some of the roadblocks that you noticed that made changing that perspective difficult for them? And how, how did yeah, they get so, past that? <laughs> yeah, so probably one of the the areas with regards to perspective is it, you know that whole sense that we become tunnel vision and people become tunnel vision and they only see things perhaps through a certain lens or a, you know a few lenses, but they're opportunities or their scope is limited. So one of the things uh, as a coach uh, to just challenge folks with and ask them about is, you know, what are the other possibilities? What if we just, you know, come up with some really um, off the wall type of a thought and, and for nothing else to get a reaction and to, to re uh, calibrate 
what are what is possible. So, in the sense of the the idea that uh, lots of moving parts, uh, people getting stuck or fixated with how something has to get done, um, just helping them to to rethink uh, what is possible, and that's a great question because often. Uh, we're only thinking what is possible through a limited scope, a limited uh, amount of understanding or knowledge or resources um, versus all of the possibilities that might be available. So if you found, Michael, as people go through this this process, is it something internal or is it something that's part of a, a team? Is it a meeting? What's the best way to uh, to get to that perspective shift? Yeah, it's great. So it's, you know, so the short answer is both. Um, There has to be some level of of one-on-one internal uh, work. You know, so what what do I really want here? What's really uh, going on? But also as a team, as a group, uh, to be able to come up with a consensus of here's what this project needs. Here's what this um, the company needs. Here's what the outcome needs to be. Um, for this to to work, and so getting uh, everyone's input is really crucial. And the sense that people uh, want to give input and feel valued, they want to hear that their voice is actually being heard, um, and then um, just being able to to take that input and those perspectives and um, see where where they can be implemented as much as possible. And I hope I'm answering your question, John. <laughs> uh, no, you are, because I'm. You know, I'm just thinking. I've been in those situations, right? And and sometimes there's a clear leader of a team who's implementing mm-hmm. this, and sometimes they have really good skills in this area, and sometimes they're not. You're a member of a team, uh, and this keeps going on and on and on. You know, if you're just a member of a team, you're not the one who's in charge of maybe this project. What's a way you can bring that into a group dynamic that that uh, that would work as a, as a yeah. member versus the leader? <clears throat> wow, what a great question that is. So, yeah, members often feel captive. They feel uh, that they're stuck sort of with the status quo, perhaps, right. or that they can't speak up or have an opinion or have a voice. And so one of the best ways um, possibly to do that is is clearly, you know, doing their own noodling or thinking about that, um, what what is possible, but to ask questions in a non-threatening um, tone and a non-threatening way. Um, so, you know, the, okay, you know, Mr. or Ms. Leader, you know, that's one approach. What if we used this approach? What if we tried that way? What if we were to use this process or implement things in this fashion what and just play with that idea a little bit we're not sold on it we're not saying let's not do it this way but just play with the idea so there's as a team member we can in a non-threatening way ask questions that are curious questions and truly um, be not tied necessarily to having to have the outcome go the way we want but have people actually explore what could be possible if we did something in a different way. Well, you know, here's, here's what I've been, I think we've all been part of teams, right? And there's the one person that doesn't like, you know, how things are working. 
and they yeah. have an opinion on that, uh, and they're very mm-hmm. vocal about their opinion. But you're talking about a different way to approach this versus coming in uh, with your either your opinion that could come across uh, as critical or judgmental, but shifting your approach toward one of asking questions. How mm-hmm. uh, how would somebody do that if that's not a you know a, a developed skill for them? How would they how would they get there? You know, there's there's a concept of having what's called a learner's mindset or a judger's mindset, um, and a judger's mindset is usually looking for what's wrong, uh, what's the problem, who has the problem, um, where are the where are the issues, and the the learner's mindset is is one of what's possible, uh, what what haven't we looked at that we could explore, um, and and more of that collaborative. Uh, not looking for who who made this bad decision or who's making the bad decision, but what can we learn from that and how can we move on? So um, part of that, John, is learned. It's It may be something that some folks do more natural than others, but often it is a, a learned process. It's a matter of being aware of our uh, normal temperament or normal way of thinking about um, projects or being a part of groups and meetings and then learning how to uh, adjust so that we are not just uh, getting our voice heard, but honestly, the the goal really is to raise the level of everyone's input and participation so that there's a much better uh, uh, buy-in and a result at the end of that. So to summarize what you said, because this rolls perfectly into this the, the next question that we have from uh, one of our listeners, but... Really connect what you're doing, your daily job, your work, whether it's an IT project or it's in sales, whatever it is, to your values. And when you Mm -hmm. see those uh, activities that are being required of you in conflict with your values, dig down deep personally first. Look at how you can change your perspective. Look at other outcomes and then involve others around you with these internal conversations to start looking at things from different angles. And then to bring that out to influence the team and the outcome of what's going on, because you might not be able to change everything, but you can go through it differently just how you're uh, approaching it, right? And shift from a judging mindset, which I've absolutely been guilting of many times, to a learner mindset. Mm. And that learner mindset, Michael, is really what Christ modeled, right? That is really an approach Mm -hmm. that I think is, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if we're really bringing our relationship with God into the workplace and we're treating others from that perspective of servant leadership, right? We, we should really seek to understand and know where they're at, learn that um, without judging and do that in a way where we can move things forward. That's yeah, like a, a fair summary, summary of that? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, here, here's the next question, because, you know, the, the next question is all about stress, and I, I think this is something that uh, we deal with uh, as business leaders, uh, just in, in life in general. Uh, and this comes from... Uh, individual uh, who's running a company and uh, a large manufacturing company and uh, over 200 employees. The stress at work is impacting his relationships outside of work, his his marriage, his kids, and things like that. He's uh, uh, What he says here, he's a very strong believer, but when it comes down to just the weight of every decision, how many employees rely on him, uh, the stress and anxiety that he feels daily as he makes these decisions 
He's been trying to shift the weight of these decisions over into his relationship with God, but he's just not been able to bridge that gap. Mm. And so how would you work as a coach with a client who just, um, you know, just has tremendous stress in their life and they're trying to figure out how to put that in perspective and reduce that level of stress? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so stress is interesting um, because we all feel it. You know, yeah. life is extremely busy. Lots of, uh, you know, maybe it's the pace of life or all the changes going on, but people are definitely stressed out. And, and there's probably lots of reasons for that um, today. But um, as I've coached busy people over uh, this past decade, you know, one of the things um, that I notice is that the the result of stress, as you were just describing, just wreaks havoc on people's relationships, uh, saps their productivity. You know, even those who might be top performers are going to fall into stress distress, you know, distress of, of stress. And so um, just some of the things that I, at a, at a little bit of a high level, have um, discovered to be helpful, and then maybe we can dig in in particulars. But one is to, to learn people skills. Um, a lot of times, most uh, issues uh, with stress and in life end up coming back to people and other people in relationship with them. Um, and so as we understand uh, ourselves, uh, our personality, our wiring, you mentioned values we talked about, as we understand ourselves well, and then also can become adept at uh, understanding other people, what's important to them. Uh, how do they view the world? Uh, we're all familiar with temperaments and personality, and um, there's a lot of diversity out there and uh, the experiences that folks have had. So our ability to be somewhat understanding um, and, and knowledgeable about uh, different types of people and, and personality uh, can really, really help us. I remember working with someone who um, was taking on more responsibility at work and discovered uh, because of that, then there were more people to deal with. And some of those people had strong personalities and uh, run-ins and, and different things like this was going on. Um, and so as we worked together, as I was coaching, um, it became uh, clearer that the, the strengths of her personality were also the, the weaknesses of her personality and what she was bumping up against with other people um, had so much to do with misreading uh, perhaps their motives and what was going on as well as not totally being clear about what is going on with her um, and even to the degree of how the teams were operating and, and orienting. So first thing, again, knowing yourself, knowing how you're wired and understanding how other people work. And it's it's uh, not that difficult to learn some of those things, but they're great skills. Um, second thing that is crucial, at least I've found, is learning to manage our emotions. Um, you know, dealing with people issues and, and, again, demands at work in difficult situations um, can really challenge our emotions. And uh, we're all familiar uh, probably with the emotional intelligence and Daniel Goleman's um, book and work, you know, the emotional intelligence refers to the ability to perceive control and evaluate emotions. That's what he says. So as we 
um, are able to perceive and control and evaluate our own emotions, um, we'll be much better at handling stress. And so, you know, a couple of questions there might be, what old habit am I holding on to that's preventing me from making progress? Um, in your friend's case, it could be, what, what, what am I holding on to? What am I trying to uh, control that I need to let go of? Um, and conversely, what new habit do I want to uh, take and put it in, in place uh, to help me move forward. I, you know, one of the greatest things that I've um, seen and have been um, seeing recently even more is the power of optimism in our mindset. Um, if we focus on a level of gratitude and optimism and make it a point each day, this is where I want to be. This is, this is how I want to orient my thinking today to be around um, to be in, and in that level of optimism that our emotional intelligence, our stress level, and our joy really can be much uh, more impacted than uh, just trying to uh, manage the events themselves. So, so understanding ourselves, uh, understanding our emotions, and really making an effort to to uh, choose uh, thoughts of gratitude and optimism. Well, in that second point, you're really talking about developing an awareness, right? When I'm in that mm -hmm. place where I'm totally stressed, um, mm -hmm. you know, like we talked about before uh, in that, that, that first scenario, right? Take some time to step back and have some awareness of why I'm feeling this, what's creating the stress. And mm -hmm. I'd like to make an point on emotional intelligence. You know, with the leaders that I've worked with, I think the people that rise to the highest level of leadership have a very highly developed emotional intelligence. And the great news about mm -hmm. that is that is a learned mm -hmm. skill. That is something you can work on and develop. Uh, I'm going to put a link to Daniel Goleman's article in his book in the in the the show notes for everybody. But I would really encourage you to to read that. That was uh, that is a fantastic uh, tool for everyone. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, with that learning, getting input from other people, and being vulnerable, and willing to learn, and probably you know, John, what may really inhibit folks is that lack of vulnerability and and being willing to be open to how am I coming across um, to to people, and um, yeah, and then well, the third key that I was going to mention, or third piece of this, is just creating that that famous phrase, creating life balance. So you know, life balance uh, seems like and can seem like a panacea, right? Yeah. Um, probably everyone has felt this way, and. Um, Having balance in our life, you know, it's it does help so much. But um, what I've noticed, and probably what we all noticed, is all of the in inventions, the devices, the things that are supposed to help save time and offer convenience, they've actually created more stress, um, have kept us more plugged in, so to speak. Yeah, we're constantly overwhelmed. Saving. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so what, what do of, you do about that? I'm overwhelmed. I have everything dinging and popping up uh, constantly. My phone's <laughs> buzzing in my pocket. My assistant's calling me. <laughs> yeah. So, well, the first thing, you know, in that case is, all right, so 
the time that you saved. So we'll, let's just take one example. Um, the time that you saved in having to wash your dishes because your dishwasher is doing it, what do you do with that time? Well, most people don't sit down and read and just uh, enjoy the sunset or enjoy a book or enjoy whatever. They run on to the next thing, right? So we've filled the time that we might have saved through the convenience uh, with more activity. And so one of the things that I would um, say to, to people and do say to people who are coaches, so, okay, so how will that um, time-saving device, how will that uh, time-saving activity um, or invention, whatever they have, how can you use that? to help bring some balance into your life? How can that feed, use that to feed your soul, to, to develop a, a relationship or connect with another human being in a way that's not business related. It's a way to, to bring life to us. Um, some people are introverts and some are extroverts. So, you know, you have to deal with all that, but whether it's reading a book, pursuing a hobby, spending more time with family or friends, um, take some of that convenience time, that your microwave oven brought to you or your, you know, I used a dishwasher example or anything um, and use it to create opportunities to connect. I think that's powerful. The, uh, you know, the thing uh, that comes to mind with that is, you know, connecting that, you know, if you, if you think about that, uh, think about finding, you know, even if you just start with, Hey, how do I, find five, 10 minutes or an hour and connect that time to what my values are and my priorities, things that are, you know, going to be, have a meaningful outcome in my life other than just crossing another thing off my to-do list. Cause I, I think when you get there, then, you know, your, your stress level drops. That's happened to me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it does. Um, it's that sense of being fully present, right? Um, there was a, um, and there was a picture, a word picture that I remember hearing from a guy um, named Dr. Michael Lillibridge. Um, he developed a personality assessment that's, uh, that I like called the people map. But he talked about um, balance and he said, picture yourself as a paintbrush. Um, maybe hard to do, I don't know, but picture yourself as a paintbrush. Okay. And let's say there's three or four cans, cans of paint in front of you with different colors, right? And um, you're going to paint a room. Now you wouldn't take that brush and stick it in, you know, the one color paint, whether that's blue, and start painting your wall, and then immediately dump it into and dip it into the the green one, because it would bleed over and it would start to create this ugly mess. And then you wouldn't dump it into the to the red one and then to the to the white one. And he said, you know, as we move from one place of, of life to the next, our roles, whether it's uh, moving from home to work, to work, to, uh, to home, to recreation, to worship, to wherever we might be, take a moment to clean your brush. And I thought that was such a powerful thought. So what can I do to clean my brush as I move throughout my day? And so that helps to create um, greater balance. It helps me to be fully present where I'm at. Um, and we've heard that phrase probably many times, I want to be where I am when I'm there. Yeah, I like that. Take a moment to clean your brush. So 
and executives who've stressed out, how you work with them is really focus on people skills and developing authentic relationships. Mm-hmm. Really looking at where they're at emotionally and developing, and I'm sure that's a lot of work you do as a coach, developing that emotional intelligence piece mm-hmm. and then infusing through that as that rises optimism and gratitude and vulnerability into who you are and who you're being as a person. Mm-hmm. And then basically, hey, learn how to clean your brush, right? How, yeah. Learn how to move from one activity <laughs> to the next and do it cleanly, uh, purposefully, uh, yeah. you know, and uh, as as the person God created you to be. Yeah, beautiful summary. Yeah, and that cleaning the brush, you know, it could be something as simple as uh, exercising or stretching exercises, you know, listening to music or reading or meditating, whatever it is. Um, just find something that works for you. Well, awesome, Michael. As we wrap up here, uh, I know you've made a huge impact in my life. And uh, how do people get in touch with you, what you're doing now as a coach and in life, and, uh, and, and connect with you? Sure. Thank you. So, again, it's been great being a part of this, John. So to get a hold of me, my uh, website is uh, crosswayslifecoaching.com, and that's crossways is a plural. So crosswayslifecoaching.com. And uh, they can email me there at mike at crosswayslifecoaching.com. Or they can always call my office, which is 484-461-6403. And I'd be glad to uh, connect with them. And um, we have um, lots of different tools or other things to follow up if someone wanted to talk around that. If you have a question that you'd like John or any of his Coach's Corner guests to answer, just message us through Facebook, facebook.com slash eternal leadership. Now, if you'd like more info about Michael or John's executive coaching or would like links to what Michael has written or more info about emotional intelligence, just visit eternalleadership.com and search for episode 14. That's eternalleadership.com episode 14. And we'll have more information in the show notes as well as all that information embedded in the info of this MP3. Next time on Eternal Leadership, Executive Ford Taylor. And so over that period of time, uh, that 16 years, it, you know, being the number one in our industry, for me, it led to a lot of arrogance and, and pride. And, and as, as you know, some of my story, it led to a lot of sexual sin and things that I said I would never do, uh, you know, I actually ended up doing. Ford opens up about his life, his struggles, his healing, how he built a $300 million company, and how to become a transformational leader. That's next time on Eternal Leadership. For John Ramsett, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. Eternal Leadership.